Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics, they talk, we listen. My guest today is a leader in the digital transformation space. He has spent 25 years perfecting life in the management consulting world. Based in the Netherlands, he has worked in various countries around the globe, specialising in robotics, outsourcing, IoT, the oil and gas sector, to name a few. But before we get into that, here's a message from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by KPMG. In today's ever-changing climate, agility and flexibility are essential to maintain, grow and understand in an uncertain world. Whatever challenges your organisation is facing, we can help maximise opportunity while minimising risk, both today and for the future. Future success means being connected to customers, to market dynamics and digital signals, to employees, to channel and business partners and aligning across the front, middle and back offices. We'll help you to align, to serve the customers better and deliver greater return on investment. With deep sector insight and the latest thinking, KPMG Connected Enterprise provides a sustainable, risk-optimized route from strategy through execution with the tools, methods, frameworks and solutions your organization needs to succeed in today's turbulent world. KPMG Connected Enterprise can offer you an insight-driven, digitally-enabled roadmap to efficiency and agility that delivers sustainable growth to your organization today and tomorrow. Start your digital transformation journey now with KPMG Connected Enterprise. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Eric Vesselman is a partner at KPMG and responsible for advisory services in the field of digital transformation. In addition, as a technology partner, Eric is also responsible for the energy and natural resources sector. The application of technology such as cloud, IoT, data analytics, mobile apps, blockchain, robotics and other technology is central to the work Eric does in supporting his clients with innovative and digital solutions for their business models and associated operations. Eric's sector experience covers, as mentioned, oil and gas, but also utilities, telecommunications, retail, central government, administration and manufacturing, including high tech. Eric regularly speaks at technology-related topics at conferences and has numerous publications in relation to his field. Eric's knowledge and expertise include, but not limited to, IT sourcing, ecosystems control organisations, megatrend emerging technologies, technology robotics, social robotics, agile DevOps and blockchain innovation. Previously, Eric was the chairman for Sourcing Netherlands and now works in an advisory capacity with the board. He also held directorial positions with consulting organisations to include PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers and Atos. On a personal and professional level, I've known Eric for nearly 20 years. Both worked in the KPMG Global Outsourcing and World Class IT practice. So welcome, Eric. Thank you for being here today for Heads Talk. Hi, Elaine. It's nice to meet you again in, uh, in this way. Digitally, yes, actually. Virtual. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Um, I'm going to go into my first question. This is a question um, I've asked in a previous episode to an executive who's in a similar field to you. Um, I uh, and my audience would be interested in your take on this and what's happening, um, especially in the Netherlands where you were based. Right, what were the initial thoughts about developments with the COVID-19 virus and how has the Netherlands reacted to these developments? Did it differ, if at all, with the other European countries? Please um, give my audience a summation. 
Yeah. So maybe to start with myself, eh? I, I remember yeah. that uh, COVID was on television and it was a thing in China at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I was looking at it and I thought, well, this is another SARS and it's probably going to stay there and not hit us at all. Mm -hmm. So I was, uh, to be honest, a bit overtaken uh, by the fact that it came to us so quickly and that the impact, uh, not just socially, but also economically, was so dramatic. I mean, it's impacting everyone not just businesses, but also people's lives. Uh, if, I, if I look at how the Netherlands reacted to it, yeah, uh, I think that was quite well and, and, and rational how they reacted uh, in line with, let's say, the other European countries. Uh, most offices were closed, as well as the restaurants, bars and schools, etc., to basically flatten the curve of the, the numbers of people that required intensive care. Mm -hmm. uh, and so trying to relieve the health system as much as possible. I think that that's that's been accomplished because the numbers are uh, decreasing in intensive care and uh, we are slowly looking at uh, a release of the smart lockdown as we call it. Mm -hmm. At the same time, what I think was done very well here in the Netherlands is that the Dutch government came with a sort of economic survival plan for those businesses and entrepreneurs that were hit by the crisis. Mm -hmm. So there were all kinds of, uh, let's say, arrangements uh, put in place, which had to be done very, very quickly, obviously. And uh, they did that very well, I think. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, the new normal is the 1.5 economy for now. I do wish, of course, that we will be back to the way things were, because uh, people and also myself, we're all social beings and we need contact. I think, uh, yeah, if I look at it uh, at a European level, I think most of the countries are doing the same. Uh, I do see differences in the impact. I mean, what we've seen in uh, in Italy and Spain is uh, really outrageous if you compare it to what's, what we see in the Netherlands with the numbers. Huh? It's, it's ridiculous. Also, the UK obviously is hit very hard. Yeah. Um, moving on, I think, as you mentioned, everything pretty much has changed and are changing. Not least the way we are doing business and the way we are helping clients. Clients are increasingly comfortable with adopting technological digital solutions and in some cases purely as a survival mechanism and really have no time for the qualms and reservations they may have had with such implementations prior. COVID-19 has put digital transformation up front and centre. You yourself have been in this space for a number of years and your organisation KPMG has what they call a four steps for digital transformation. One of the things that fascinated me in these steps is digital disruption. Um, there is a significant rise in the impact of digital disruption. Those who are not in the know have probably seen it or have experienced it, but not know there is a terminology associated with it. Step one of the KPMG four steps for digital transformation is understand industrial specific opportunities for digital disruption. Well, my listeners, explain the concept of digital disruption. What is a digital disruptor? With examples would be great, especially ones that perhaps impact recognized businesses. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I think a digital disruptor is typically, let's say, an organization eh, that, that shifts the fundamental expectations and behaviors mm -hmm. uh, of a market, of an industry, yeah, or culture maybe even, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, using technologies, uh, impacting processes within the organization. And uh, it's all driven basically by digital capabilities uh, applying to yeah, channels or assets. Uh, and, and what I see in general, is that uh, digital disruptors have a few things in common. One is, is that they have an obsession for satisfying the, satisfying the customer need. Mm -hmm. So basically uh, they will do everything internally uh, 
changing structures in the organization, uh, changing uh, the technology landscape, changing the way people work together. All these things basically aligned to maximize the customer experience. Mm -hmm. And a good example is, I think, uh, uh, the online retailers. Uh, they, 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 they focus a lot on maximizing the customer experience to make sure that they retain these, uh, these customers uh, because mm -hmm. customers in the digital world are not sticky. Mm -hmm. They tend to, uh, to move around uh, a lot. Uh, to to retain them, but also to get referrals in from these customers to other customers, because that's what I think is important. The second thing they have in common is uh, exceptional service design. Yeah. So the service design is basically, it considers all the touch points that uh, the organization has with their customer. So it's all about making the interactions between the customer and the organization as simple as possible, uh, removing any uh, potential obstacles uh, in the interaction, basically making things easy compared to how things were done in the past. And uh, if, you, if you think back a long time ago, one of the most obvious uh, transformations uh, was uh, 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 online banking versus having to go to a bank physically to open an account, for yeah. example. Yeah, that's how you make things simple. So exceptional service design. The third point is that they have cross-disciplinary collaboration. So they, have to ten they tend to have very flat organization structures uh, and they pull together multidisciplinary project teams uh, where we typically see convergence between, uh, let's say, the product or service design mm -hmm. and digital marketing. Yeah, so teams are relatively small, but uh, consist of many uh, yeah, disciplines. Mm. The last point that I have in common is, uh, yeah, they, they, they focus on what, what I call the so-called active metrics, like referral, referral and retention rates. They're less focused on, let's say, website traffic and app downloads. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's typically yeah. a disruptor. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So I, I think that will satisfy my audience in terms of getting a, a sort of an understanding of what digital structures are. Okay, still on the KPMG four steps for digital transformation, I'd like to jump straight to step four. But for my audience, step two is create a business strategy that starts from outside in. And step three is articulate an enterprise-wide operational strategy that connects the front, middle and back office. Okay, step four, embed cultural change programs throughout digital transformation. This strikes me as so challenging and complex at the best of times. So how do you go about embedding cultural change in an organization that's had comfortable working, proactive even, pre-digitalized practices? Tell us about some of the challenges as well as some of the successes that you can recall. It has been said that, that to culturally change an organization takes years. We really don't have that time to do this. So how is this expedited? Is that possible? Yeah, so, so the, 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 the four-step approach basically uh, is part of what we call KPMG's Connected Enterprise Framework. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it basically uh, yeah, focus, uh, focuses on uh, implementing eight key capabilities. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, and the capabilities are, let's say, focused around insight-driven strategies and actions. Mm -hmm. uh, creating innovative products and services, yeah, the thing we talked mm -hmm. about just earlier. Uh, experience centricity by design, so that's all about customer experience. Mm -hmm. uh, responsive operations and supply chain, so that's basically connecting the front, the middle and the back uh, mm -hmm. organization. Integrated par partner and alliance ecosystem, so that you maximize the value that you can obtain from, let's say, partners and other organizations that, that a company works with. 
uh, digitally enable the technology architecture, which basically means that you have to also move to an open architecture to allow the connection with other, let's say, ecosystem partners, mm -hmm. uh, the alignment and empowered, uh, empowerment of the workforce, and the seamless interactions and commerce on the front end. And, and if you create all those eight capabilities in an organization in a good way, then you have potentially twice the impact compared to those organizations that don't. That's a, that's a vision, and uh, KPMG uh, did a research uh, on that, mm -hmm. and this came out uh, of that research. Uh, when we go back to what's required, it starts with basically, uh, yeah, the voice of the of the leadership, right? And um, um, uh, I think Flerik Business School uh, from Belgium, they've done a very interesting study. Uh, it was done by Stein Viana, and he looked at digital leadership. Basically, he recognized four types of leadership that are required. And first of all, is the vigilant leader that basically, and I'll say this very simply, spots technology developments but uh, sees uh, also the business opportunities that these technology developments can create. Yeah, that's yeah. the vigilant leader. Yeah. Then you have the journey leader, basically organizes the people around these opportunities to basically realize uh, the opportunities by building the solution and implementing that in the organization, right? Mm -hmm. The third type of leadership that's required is the vested leader that basically fits the, the whole new operating model, uh, the, the, the new service and, and associated operating model and technology into the existing organization mm -hmm. and architectural context. And last but not least, of course, the visionary leader who looks at the place of the organization uh, in uh, in yeah in the in the context of the econ economy, but also of society, let's say, and what that should develop into. Yeah. So, and if you look at those four types of leadership, these are not necessarily different people, right? These yeah. could be the same uh, person yeah. or a few people. Um, but this is what drives basically uh, the digital transformation in an organization. And and what I see is when you we, we did a, a survey amongst uh, uh, C level executives. Uh, mm -hmm. is that many organizations and many C-level executives uh, struggle basically with uh, implementing these type of leadership uh, in their organization uh, to, 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 yeah, to create the right heartbeat in the organization uh, for the digital transformation, right? Um, if we look in, in the reality uh, in the Netherlands, uh, uh, I'm working, of course, with many of our customers, uh, and uh, what I see those do that are successful is basically uh, from a change management perspective is they empower their people. Yeah? So uh, uh, they basically empower the people in such a way that the people can contribute with their own ideas, uh, basically maximizing uh, the ideation process uh, for new products and services, but also changes that are required in the uh, existing operating model and supporting technology landscape. So uh, I think that's most relevant, uh, the empowerment, and also, of course, having the right people in your organization, in the right mix with all these different uh, disciplines, so that they can actually build on each other's ideas from different angles and create an holistic uh, yeah, new view, new vision mm -hmm. that uh, provides potentially twice the impact, right? So, so what I'm getting from you is that it's, it has to be driven top down and with the various styles of leadership and one individual can sort of embrace all those different styles of leadership it also needs to 
um, include as well as empower the workforce as opposed to the change being done to them. They need to be a part of the process and be included in it. And, and that helps drives the necessary cultural change that is needed to ensure the success of this. Is that, that's pretty much what you're saying. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And, and, and uh, I mean, what you want is a, we can do a mentality culture, huh? like uh, mm -hmm. let's, 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 uh, take the bull by the horns, as we say it here in the Netherlands, yeah? and uh, let's get things done. Um, and it's, uh, it's incremental, yeah? uh, typically in sprints. Yeah? Uh, I think most of the audience will be familiar with agile way of working, etc. Yeah. And we're not talking about massive waterfall-driven projects. Yeah? We're talking about small sprints with quick results, uh, minimum viable products that have a right to exist on its own, yeah? uh, which are incrementally made better based on customer experience feedback right so mm -hmm. so the interaction between the customer and the organization and that's also a change uh, you could say in a way of working is that you have you want basically instantaneous feedback from your customers yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, to to sort of uh, provide a compass for your uh, for your change process okay and um, let's move to the 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 next question um you know we, we are told to socially distance ourselves, you know, that's a big thing across the globe. In your field of work, do you know of any social distancing technology being developed, talked about, or implemented even, that you'd like to share with our audience? Or are there any apps that you're aware of that has come about as a result of the advent of COVID-19? I, yeah. I know contact tracing apps have been talked about. This app is, in some quarters, described as controversial. but any reasonable plans for reopening the economy without causing a second wave in the virus will include some form of contact tracing. So it is here, um, whether we like it or not. Share your thoughts on this. Yeah, so uh, this is my personal view, maybe not KPMG's, but I do think that, uh, yeah, despite all the worries about GDPR, etc., yeah, I think this will become part of the new normal because, uh, uh, the implications of not being able to mitigate yeah, or identify and mitigate the risk of uh, COVID infections uh, going forward is just too big. Yeah, so uh, something's got to give, I think, and that's potentially uh, yeah that we will use these apps. And I think at the beginning that will be on a voluntary basis, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe later it will be not so voluntary. It will maybe just be part of your iPhone or, or Android phone when you when you buy one, basically. Uh, but that's to see, that's to be seen. Um, I think what I see is that many tech companies are basically jumping into this new requirement uh, by creating new applications, mm -hmm. uh, even going to video analytics and AI, yeah? mm -hmm. uh, basically to see if there are risks, let's say uh, in, in shopping malls or other uh, public uh, areas. Uh, where many people come together. Um, at the same time, we see that uh, Google and Apple have basically opened up their IP for developers yeah, to allow them to create apps that, based on Bluetooth signals, can basically detect whether people have been close to each other yeah, mm -hmm. um, to mitigate or identify and mitigate uh, risks. And uh, yeah, these, these apps typically give alerts uh, to, to warn you if you've been too close to others. Uh, it also helps in some cases people to say, on my phone it says that we are too close. Yeah? So it's more indirect way of communicating to each other uh, that somebody needs to, uh, to, to keep distance. I think a very good example of what I've seen is uh, in Amsterdam uh, with a Brazilian expat developer, uh, software developer, 
and he, uh, he, he was uh, basically infected with COVID and uh, he recovered from it. And uh, uh, he decided to build an app for social distancing uh, together with his colleagues. Mm -hmm. It's called uh, the 1.5 app. So you can download it already for the, uh, for the Android, I think, mm -hmm. and test it. So, uh, but obviously it only works uh, if, uh, if other people are also uh, using, uh, let's say, uh, the app or at least having their Bluetooth on. Yeah? Because mm -hmm. otherwise uh, there's no uh, way to tell if people are too close. But I, I do see these developments and I think it's picking up pace uh, because of its uh, social and economic uh, relevance. Yeah? So mm -hmm. there will be many more to come, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I think you kind of answered the question, the next question, in some of your answers for the previous one. I mean, you've touched upon video analytics and AI, but perhaps if there's anything else that you've not mentioned, you can perhaps talk about around this question or we can move on. In the space of digital transformation, technology, robotics and artificial intelligence, what role do you think they will play going forward that perhaps was not readily thought of prior to the outbreak? You have touched upon that. If you want to expand, yeah, well, a bit, a bit. So, I think, I think. Uh, so, um, uh, when we talk about uh, uh, robotics, AI, uh, mm -hmm. uh, these solutions, basically, uh, uh, the the RPA or the robotics process automation was predominantly focused on, let's say, uh, administrative jobs. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, what I what I basically expect going forward is that uh, robotic process automation but also AI will help us to basically shift uh, shift through the huge amounts of data that we as society produce around COVID mm -hmm. and also how COVID is spreading or how it's contained etc mm -hmm. and uh, I think the technology will not just help us to identify who is at risk but it will also help us to navigate the 1.5 economy with applications, like I mentioned, uh, the video analytics, mm -hmm. uh, to see where risks occur and uh, how they can be policed in a better way. Yeah, Because policies uh, are in place, but the policing of it is, of course, very challenging. And if you can automate that in a way, uh, uh, then you can focus on the exceptions rather than uh, uh, needing to be everywhere to basically police policies, etc. So, but it's also helping at this point in time. Yeah? I've seen examples of uh, RPA providers that provided their solutions free of charge to hospitals mm -hmm. to basically help the hospitals to sift through all the data mm -hmm. uh, for 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 yeah for patient identification and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, basically, to 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 take off the workload uh, so that these people, uh, the doctors, etc., can focus on uh, what they, sh they should be doing with their patients rather than all the admin. So. I think that's uh, that's a very nice example of what's happening. What's happening? Guys? And I think that's going to continue, uh, not just in hospitals, but as I said, also in society. I think the automation will help us to uh, to manage the risk of new outbreaks. Yeah. Okay. No, thank you for that. Um, this question I posed earlier in a, a previous episode, so uh, be interested in you, your take on this. So please give my audience an insight into some of the projects that you are working on that has gained momentum as a result of the new working conditions we find ourselves in. What have your clients asked to be delivered yesterday? Yeah, so the, the, the strange thing is eh, that um, um, in management consulting, and as you said, I, I've been doing this for quite a while now, mm -hmm. uh, there's a number of, uh, let's say, uh, propositions, value propositions that we as KPMG have and also the others, of course, have, mm -hmm. which focus around, uh, let's say, cost efficiency, cost takeout, right? So 
could be zero-based budgeting, could be other ways of uh, looking at cost takeout, uh, basically to harness uh, the businesses against any economic downturn or to free up cash for future investments. And the same is uh, recurring at the moment. Eh? So we see uh, many companies coming to us and asking, uh, can you help us uh, with cost takeout initiatives? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I think that's that's something that, that we see coming back when there's an economic downturn uh, mm -hmm. happening. Uh, the other ones are, let's say, more involved around data and analytics, uh, basically helping organizations to minify, minimize the uh, COVID infection risk for their staff. And uh, we work with different technologies. One of them is uh, Cinescope. Uh, and with that technology, basically are able to help organizations trace who has been in proximity of who yeah, by analyzing data in, let's say, existing business systems. Uh, like uh, like Outlook or other business systems, basically. And all, of course, uh, within the context of uh, respecting GDPR. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but yeah, these are typical, I would say, COVID-related uh, initiatives mm -hmm. that, uh, that we currently see. Yeah. So let's look at what's going to happen post-COVID. And hopefully post-COVID will come sooner or later. Um, has the Netherlands government talked about, or talked actively about the light as it were, at the end of the COVID tunnel. Are you internally and actively talking about this? Um, and what are the changes that will be implemented in your business world when we all get back to the, the new norm? As the government talks about exit strategies, um, what preparations are being made internally? And what are you advising your clients on this? This could be infrastructure, it could be office facilities, or even just business processes. You have mentioned some of the stuff that's going on in the midst of COVID-19. What are your thoughts about post-COVID-19 and what's going to happen in the new norm? Yeah, so I think it's a good question. And I, uh, I think every organization uh, is already thinking about, okay, what do we do after uh, mm -hmm. the COVID uh, crisis? Um, uh, I think, to be honest, the COVID crisis will not go away before we have uh, a vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, and what I read and hear is that this is going to take uh, a while, uh, at least into uh, into 2021. Mm. Um, so, uh, well, what are we doing as KPMG here in the Netherlands is basically we're looking to slowly open our offices, but not uh, for all those people that just want to go to the office, right? Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a combination of uh, people uh, like myself. Uh, I have a nice uh, office space in my house, so I can work here very comfortably. Mm -hmm. But of course, there's also colleagues uh, who are maybe not, uh, uh, do not have a place to work uh, uh, in their homes uh, with, let's say, 10 square meters or so, with mm -hmm. a desk and a proper chair. Mm -hmm. So for them, it's, it's, well, physically unhealthy, I would say, to, to stay working from home. So for these people, we are basically considering to open our offices uh, while respecting uh, a number of rules when it comes to social distancing, right? Uh, to minimize infection uh, risk. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think we will see this uh, for the foreseeable future until there's a vaccine. Um, at the same time, um, uh, so we will have a combination of people working from home and a few people working from the office, and it will be only a few. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So I think the new normal ha has been set in that way. And I remember that uh, I think it's more than 10 years ago, we were talking about uh, the new way of working, the modern way of working, which was working remotely from home, etc. And uh, many organizations, also tech companies, uh, focused on it to make it happen. 
and I think COVID-19 sort of accelerated that yeah. whole process, right? Uh, everybody's on Teams or on Zoom or, or other uh, solutions mm -hmm. and, 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 and it's working for us. So I think uh, it's incredible that, that that accelerated in that way. And I can also imagine that, that companies rethink, uh, let's say, uh, their current uh, yeah, way of working with having infrastructure like buildings and all these kind of things. Mm -hmm. Like, do we really need these big buildings? Uh, and Or is there maybe a disruption coming on with, uh, let's say, companies that rent out uh, facilities, yeah? uh, flexible, mm -hmm. flexible offices, mm -hmm. uh, to, to make the cost for these offices more flexible. I'm not saying that that's a KPMG policy. It's just mm -hmm. something I see and hear in the market in general. Mm -hmm. is that companies are reconsidering all these square meters that they have, yeah. which are very expensive or can be very expensive, especially right. in capital cities like Amsterdam, London, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, do we really need them or can we downsize it and uh, uh, use the cash for other purposes, yeah? mm -hmm. like staying relevant in the marketplace that's changing rapidly? So. Yeah. I was having a similar conversation with a veteran in the management consulting business and he also mentioned that perhaps there's an element of going back to working the way we used to. You know, when we had the cubicles, that sort of partitions that separated every individual that sort of had yeah. a form of hot desking, that would have to be implemented for those who cannot come to be work at home. And um, as you say, there's many people that cannot work at home, so they would have to have that. So it's almost as if we're going a step back in a way. And also, as you mentioned, with a lot of organisations with their um, estate, what are they going to do with a lot of that when perhaps 50 or even more percentage of their organization, people will be working at home. There's a lot of things to consider. And also behind all of that, the economy as well. So um, it'll, interesting times is probably the wrong phrase to use, but it will be- uh, Difficult times. Yeah? Yeah. It's difficult times to navigate at least. Yeah, so, yeah. Because we just don't know what the future looks like and mm -hmm. how the economy will, uh, yeah, will develop, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. it can be very dark scenarios. Could also be yeah, positive, yeah. I don't know. Let's yeah. see. Well, so yeah. to completely change the sort of the negative tone, it's always good to end on a positive note, so I will. Um, how <laughs> are you about this? Um, this may become my standard question while we are in this pandemic. So um, what are your personal positives, silver linings in all of this? Please share with my audience. Yeah, it's, it's very personal. It's very personal. So uh, my wife and I live very close to Amsterdam Airport. Yeah. And um, oh. <laughs> uh, at seven o'clock in the morning, uh, every two minutes, there's an airplane, uh, I think, well, not literally, but almost literally flying over our house at yeah. uh, maybe a thousand feet or something. Yeah. So that's quite noisy. And uh, it's never been so silent here, to be honest. Uh, so I think uh, that's one positive because we're really enjoying our garden. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the, and, the, and the other positive, I, I, um, I'm a fan of, uh, let's say, uh, astronomy, but also uh, of uh, weather, weather forecasts and these kind of things. And uh, there's also uh, reports on uh, uh, air quality. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I think that uh, the Netherlands has never seen since, well, tens of years, I think, uh, such a clean air. Uh, so uh, the NO2 and CO2 uh, emissions have, have come down quite a bit. So I think uh, the environment is sort of breathing a bit at the moment. Yeah. Sort of, uh, uh, yeah, gaining strength from this. Yeah, and, and, and so I could, in, I could imagine uh, that with the new normal, uh, if, this, uh, if this continues, 
that uh, mm -hmm. having digital home workers and workers in the offices yeah, that, that basically COVID will not have just accelerated digital transformation of work, but also uh, help reduce emissions. Yes. So, and, and, and that's a positive in a sense, yeah. So, <laughs> and, for and all I of us, believe it, it has allowed us to see what we are doing with the environment by if you've yes. been alone for a while and seeing the, the, the vast difference, we can actually see what we're doing with the environment. So, that is a, a positive. So, I think, I think you're right in that sense, yeah. Okay. Eric Wesselman, many thanks for your time and insight. Happy to do that. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executive decision makers and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.